I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 456. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Looking back sometimes gets a bad rap. I mean, I get it. I mean, it didn't work out so well for Lot's wife, right? And I've heard things like, it's not possible to go forward while looking back. But David Leonard's song, Good Lord, encourages us to look back in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Intrigued? I hope so. But before we dive into scripture to show you what I mean, let's listen. lyrics of David Leonard's song, Good Lord, says this. They say, when I look back, I can see that it's you who met my needs every time, every moment you were holding, even the smallest details of my life, and I can testify. Uh, This kind of looking back is also known as remembrance, and it's something God encourages over and over in his word. And I was drawn to Psalm 78 this week, which is a psalm that does just that. It remembers, and it calls the people of God to remember. So let's head over there now. Now, Psalm 78 is a pretty long psalm. It's 72 verses, but it's so rich. Uh, Don't be surprised if it takes a little bit more time this week to engage with this larger chunk of scripture. Take your time. You know, if it takes a couple weeks to get it all in, give yourself the grace to do that. All the time that you invest in God's word will not be wasted. It's you're not in a you're not in a race. Okay, so take your time. But the first bite that I want you to take is to read in context, which for the Psalms is basically just to read the entire Psalm. Now, BITE, B-I-T-E, stands for Bible Interaction Tool Exercises. And these are just the exercises that I use to interact with God's Word. And reading in context is my favorite. (laughs) But it's super easy to do it when you're reading in the Psalms because it doesn't add any context to your study if you study the chapter before or the chapter after in the Psalms because each Psalm stands on its own. So I encourage you to read all 72 verses in one sitting if you can. Um, discipline yourself to read it all the way through before you start breaking it apart. You know, I know we don't read it 
I don't, we, we can't do that on the podcast. We just don't have time. But uh, when you do this, when you practice this bite on your own, then that's what you'll do is just read it all in one sitting. Now, another bite you might take at this time is to read the text aloud. You know, I found that the length of this psalm meant that my mind started to wander a bit. And so I took the bite of reading it aloud and it kept me on track. And then another bite that I paired with these two others this week was to listen to an audio version of the text. So I read the text aloud in one sitting. And then the next time I hopped in my car and I listened to it while I was running an errand. So uh, this this also means, by the way, that I took the bite of repetition, you know, reading and listening and then doing that on repeat. That's going to help you tremendously as you then step into the further steps of interacting with the text. It's going to give you the familiarity that you need. And what this means is you can kind of do this in ways where you don't need to spread out your notebooks and your Bible and all that. I, I encourage that step. You know, we're getting ready to interact with it in a minute, but get it under your belt first. So once you read all the way through the psalm, you will clearly see the theme of remembrance. And the purpose that the songwriter had in mind should also jump out at you from the very first verses. So let's explore that together now. So verses one through four of Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide from them, uh, hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. So we're to remember the deeds of the Lord and then tell about them. This entire psalm looks back and then testifies just like our inspiration song says. So before we move forward, however, that word parable stood out to me. You know, I always understood that a parable was a story with a lesson. Jesus told parables and he often used metaphors and similes and he created comparisons to to teach a lesson. But in reading this psalm, I, I didn't really see that as um, like I was thinking of the word parable, but I did a little background study in into the category of this psalm uh, because you probably noticed in your reading that there are several kinds of psalms, you know, uh, psalms of praise, psalms of lament, thanksgiving, confidence, kingship, remembrance, and wisdom. And by the way, if you've never noticed that there were different kinds of kinds of psalms, don't don't fret. You know, I will say though that knowing what kind of psalm you're dealing with is going to help you read and interpret it better. So again, the type of psalm actually came to my attention when I was looking at the Hebrew word for parable. And I will open my mouth in a parable, the verse says. And so my word study uncovered that it was another word for poem as found in the didactic psalms. So all of that is just a fancy way of saying this is a poem or a song intended to instruct. So yes, like the use of the word parable that we're familiar with, it is intended to instruct the reader, but in Instead of it being a story, it's a poem or a song that's offering the instruction. All right, so there are some key elements that seem important here. Um, if the songwriter is sharing things we have heard and known, then these sayings from of old must have been spoken aloud. And if our fathers have told us, which is what the verse says, then they've been rehearsed generationally. And he's just saying, keep the momentum going. Keep talking about the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. In verses 5 through 8, the psalmist restates his purpose in another poetic way. Let's read it together. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. 
time, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. So the words testimony and law, because it said in that verse, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. Remember, those words are synonyms for God's word or for scripture. So God had his words written and recorded so that the next generation would have access to them. You know, they wouldn't die off with the old storytellers. And God's eternal words would live on eternally. And, and we're commanded to teach them uh, to our children. And it's through scripture that we get to know God. And so just in these fir- few verses, the reason to share God's word with every generation are clearly stated. Uh, but I want to go ahead and take the bite of making a list to really see them. And so just take out your notebook when you're doing this for yourself and just write it down. Just make a list or or within the scripture, you can put little numbers like a, one in a circle or something within the scripture. I've done that before, too. So we're to teach scripture to our children for the following reasons. Number one, so that they set their hope in God. And then number two, so that they don't forget the works of God. And so number three, that they would keep his commandments. Number four, that they maintain steadfast hearts. And number five, so that they would remain faithful to God. I mean, really, what kind of impact could a generation have if their hope was in God, if they didn't have a short memory, if they walked in his ways and remained faithful to him with steadfast hearts? This is why it's important to rehearse the mighty works and attributes of our good Lord. All right, I'm convinced I need to know scripture and I need to share it with everyone around me, especially my children. And then the psalmist takes us through a history lesson. He takes us to the Exodus and the wilderness and then back to Egypt and the plagues and then to Shiloh, which was a town where the tabernacle was set up prior to the final division of the land of Canaan among the tribes of Israel. But ultimately, the psalm ends with King David. So as you read this psalm, if you are unfamiliar with the Exodus or the wilderness or Shiloh or the plagues or any of the things that the the psalmist is talking about, then take the bite of following the cross reference um, and go read about it in, uh, in, in the original historical narrative. Now, even if you are familiar with these narratives, this summary of events may inspire you to read the original accounts again. So I highly encourage that as well. It's a, it's a wonderful reason to take in more of God's word. All right, the next bite I took, however, was to start with God. If I'm supposed to remember God and celebrate him, then I need to see what kind of characteristics the psalmist is highlighting. And, and this is what I'm looking for when I start with God. I'm looking for his character, his conduct, and his concerns. So some of the things that you will discover will be direct. Things like he established, he commanded, he performed. And then some of it's going to be inferred. And I just want to encourage you here. You're not doing it wrong if you miss some things. You know, this is not a test. This is a way to connect with God, to understand more about him. So whatever efforts you make in this category of starting with God are going to um, are, are going to be worth it. All right, so make a pass through the text, only looking for God and his character, conduct, and concerns. Uh, this is going to then put your focus in the right place. You might mark up the text. You might make a list, however you want to do that, or you might just make mental note as you go through the text again. But remember, this is not... 
you're, you don't do this until you've gotten the whole context under your belt. You understand the whole story. Now I'm going to go back and look for this one thing. You know, too often we approach scripture looking for ourselves first. And so the bite of starting with God can be transformational if you learn to take it often. Now, I wanted eventually to make two columns comparing and contrasting what God did and how the people responded, but I ended up getting a little sidetracked when I discovered one particular response that was repeated three times in the text. So I didn't I didn't make the two columns, but if you want to do that, you know, bonus points for you, that was kind of what I was going to do next, but I kind of got sidetracked. All right, so the people of God tested God. And the psalmist talked about it three different times. So while God was establishing and commanding and performing and leading, the people were rebelling and not just turning away from God, but testing him. And the three verses are 18, 14, and 56. I'm gonna, let's read, I'm going to read them to you and then we're going to unpack the details together. So in Psalm 78, 18, it says, they tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. In verse 41, they tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. And then in verse 56, yet they tested and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimony. So the psalm uh, does not discuss this historical situation linearly. Uh, It kind of makes sense. It's a poem. It's a song. It's a type of writing that will not come out like a historical narrative. Just remember that the next time you pick up your Bible to read it, by the way, the kind of literature uh, will mean that you will read and interact with it differently. You won't review the lyrics of Dave Leonard's song, Good Lord, and and compare it to a blog post. If you're expecting a blog post, then you're going to be disappointed. And so if you read this like it's historical narrative, then you're going to be like, but that came first and then this. And why is he why is he switching things around? And it's not a historical narrative. It's a song. So uh, listen to how the psalmist puts it. Let's read verses 17 through 20. Yet they sinned still more against him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God, saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? So again, you're going to find the narrative God provi- uh, the narrative where God provides water from the rock in Exodus 17, but the narrative where God provided manna, which is bread from heaven, was in Exodus 16. Uh, so let's go ahead and make some observations here. First of all, the people tested God in their heart. Uh, that's a pretty high bar. You know, their heart condition was uncovered by their verbal demands. Uh, but it was their heart that was at war with God. Things were not going as expected in the wilderness. Uh, life wasn't easy and their cravings got the best of them. The, the way that the psalmist phrases the question, can God spread a table in the wilderness? You know, can he also give bread or provide meat? He gave us water, that kind of thing. It's instructive for us. You know, the people were saying, so God provided water. Can he not provide meat? And this, and, and two, I mean, he can do it this way. If God can do this, why can't he do this for me too? And their craving got the best of them. And I really want you to listen to the account in Numbers 11. I'm just going to read a few verses, but I, I do hope you follow those cross references and read the historical narrative. But it says the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, his anger was kindled and the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outlying parts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses and Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So the name of that place was called Tabra because the, fl- the fire of the Lord burned among them. 
Now the rabble that was among them had a strong craving. And the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. You know, first of all, uh, these rescued people from 400 years of slavery were complaining to God about their misfortune. (laughs) And the rabble among them had a strong craving, and that stirred up the rest. And so think about that. I mean, meditate on that as you go on this week. But what about this line? We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing. Cost nothing. (laughs) Only your lives and your freedom and your relationship with God. And so when we test God in our hearts, it often comes from a false narrative. This is why it is important to rehearse truth. Because when we rehearse our sorrows, it leads to mistrust and unbelief and may lead us into trouble with our mighty God, by the way. Because he didn't take too kindly to their testing. And here's what the psalmist says in verses 21 and 22. Therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob. We just read about that. His anger rose against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust his saving power. All right, so here's a recap. Things weren't going as they expected, so they tested God in their hearts, and the root of the testing is their unbelief and lack of trust. All right, let's read about the second time the psalmist mentions their testing, verses 40 and 42, 40 through 42. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. They tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power for the day when he uh, or the day when he redeemed them from the foe. And when you keep reading, the psalmist recounts the plagues in Egypt and how God led them out to safety and destroyed their enemies. But don't skip over the fact that our rebellion against God grieves him. You know, we don't like to think about God's anger, although it is present and it is provoked, but it's rooted in love. And our rebellion not only angers him, but it grieves him. But why did they test him? Because they did not remember his power or the day when he redeemed them. Wow, that's a that's a powerful reminder of the importance of remembering and rehearsing God's character and conduct and concerns, not only from Scripture, but our own lives. So is it your habit to recount the ways God has rescued you? All right, let me pop in a warning from this very psalm, because remembering is not enough. Listen to what it says in verse 35. They remembered that God was their rock, the Most High God, their Redeemer. Well, that sounds good, right? On the right track. But let's keep reading verse 36. But they flattered him with their mouths and they lied to him with their tongues. You know, one of the most powerful ways we can remember and rehearse the goodness of God is through song. But let this stand as a warning. You can sing the best lyrics. You can raise your hands. You can even jump around if that's what your tradition does in, in worship. But you can also do all of that without a pure heart. And when you sing to God what you don't mean, you are lying and flattering. And then listen to the conclusion in verse uh, 37. Their heart was not steadfast toward him, and they were not faithful to his covenant. You know, there's there's a lot of talk about finding solutions to social problems these days and violence and all of that. The debate gets heated. You know, uh, I find that most arguments don't actually get to the root of the problem. They really work on surface elements. Uh, It would be kind of like if if I made the argument that to avoid flattering God, that you should be more discerning in your music, like pick better songs, and then it'll keep you from flattering him. Um, Should you be more discerning in your music? Absolutely. But the root of the flattery here is a heart that is not steadfast toward God. 
and lives that are not lived in faithfulness to his covenant. So how do, you, how do we develop that? Well, it's right there in our opening discussion through scripture. You know, both know it and rehearse it and share it. All right, finally, the third time it says that they tested God was in verses 56 through 58. Yet they tested and rebelled against the most high God and did not keep his testimonies, but turned away and acted treacherously like their fathers. They twisted like a deceitful bow, for they provoked him to anger with their high places. They moved him to jealousy with their idols. So in other words, they did not keep and obey his word and they turned away from God and embraced idols. And the word picture here, was to be twisted like a deceitful bow. And a a bow, of course, is a a weapon used in, in battle. And a deceitful bow is one with a flaw that always misses the mark. And in each of these times of testing, Uh, God responds. He's not neutral to this kind of testing, the kind that is rooted in unbelief and unfaithfulness. And yet, in the midst of all of it, you'll, you'll see it when you read it for yourself. He is true to his character. Despite our provoking, he still atones. He still redeems. He still guides and shepherds. So what's next? We'll spend some time in Psalm 78 this week. Read and listen to it repetitively before sitting down to interact with the text. But when you do sit down to interact with it, start with God. What can you learn about his character, his conduct, and his concerns? Heed the warnings found in this psalm and respond to the instruction to look back and remember God's glorious deeds, his might, and the wonders that he's done. He is a good Lord. And by all means, share what you've learned with a friend so that the next generation can respond with steadfast hearts and faithful lives. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com, or you can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneezat. Uh, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page on Facebook, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. You can check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And then I would be honored if you followed the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode. But if you sign up on my website at michellekneezat.com, then I'm able to email you once a week with the show notes and all the scriptures that I use and links to resources that I use in my personal study. Now, my featured free resource for email subscribers this week is a one-page PDF of my top five bites, and you can get started moving beyond just reading scripture and start interacting with it, and you can use this tool to help. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. And with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers who have subscribed lately, like Jeremy from Florida and Cheryl from Kansas and Kim from Texas. Welcome. And then don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website through iTunes, the Apple Podcast app you can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, please do that on wherever you listen to your podcast, or you can head over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be featuring Who I Am by Ben Fuller to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 456. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.